You're probably not doing as many open houses as you used to. And why would you? Only 6% of buyers find the home they buy from an open house. That's down from 16% in 2004, according to the NAR. A lot of agents feel like open houses are dead or useless. In HomeLight's latest Top Agent Insights survey, we asked agents, how effective are open houses at getting a house sold? On a scale of 1 to 10, they scored only a 4. Not very effective at all. But what if the assumptions are wrong? What if we talk to someone who's still doing open houses, someone who's using them to sell the home and attract new buyer and seller clients? Let's talk about the anatomy of a successful open house. This is The Walkthrough. Hey everyone, I'm Matt McGee, and on this show, you'll learn what's working right now from the best real estate agents in the country. The Walkthrough is part of Homelight's Agent Resource Center, which we created to help agents like you grow your business from good to great to amazing. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents, and we believe that by helping agents like you be more productive, more efficient, and more successful, the entire industry improves. If you'd like to reach me with feedback, ideas, or questions about the walkthrough, just send an email to walkthrough at homelight.com. In fact, we're going to be reading and sharing some of those incoming emails on future shows. So if you have a question that you want to ask other agents, send it in. If you have a follow-up question for today's guest, send it in. Again, the email address to use is walkthrough at homelight.com. All right, cards on the table, everyone. How many of you are doing open houses regularly? As the numbers I mentioned earlier indicate, probably not a lot of you. Open houses have fallen out of favor. Buyers can just go online and see whatever home they want, right? Well, today I'm going to introduce you to Ron Abta, a 17-year veteran who's ranked in the top 1% of agents in San Francisco. Ron and his team still do open houses for almost every listing they get. Why? Well, he says they help get his name out in the community and they help grow his business. He also says they can do the same for you if you take the right approach. I asked Ron to walk us through how he does an open, the marketing and prep work before, the experience he wants to create for visitors during the open house, and he says this is the most important piece of all, how he follows up after it's over. So you'll hear specific advice on what makes a home a good candidate for an open house, specific scripts to soft sell your way into the hearts of potential clients. Believe it or not, Ron doesn't force visitors to sign in. You'll also hear how to customize your follow-up based on where the lead is in their real estate journey. There's a lot to chew on in the next half hour, but our conversation began with a twist. Get this, Ron is the real estate agent who inspired the creation of Homelight back in 2012. You may know some of the background. Drew, our founder, and his wife, almost lost their dream home in San Francisco due to mistakes and missed deadlines. It was just a really bad experience. And then they found a new real estate agent, none other than Ron Abta, who cleaned it all up and made the deal happen. And it all began with a Facebook ad. So the crazy story, I uh, I, I put an ad on Facebook 
And my and and this is back in the day when that was pretty much a kind of a nascent uh, right. thing, yeah. uh, almost what it was, you know, yeah, 2000, nine, yeah, 2011 eight, for yeah. sure. You, that was pretty new. Yeah, then, yeah. and uh, and I have an MBA from Stanford, so I went to graduate school, got my MBA there, and Drew, you're the founder of Homelight, also, and uh, got an MBA from there, and so he saw, and I was I had the, you know, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. omniscience, I should say, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> now looking back, to put Stanford MBA in the Facebook ad. <laughs> And uh, as a result, uh, that resonated with Drew being a fellow Stanford MBA. And so he somehow contacted me and we're off and running. And, and then um, just to continue with the story. So that's how I helped the founder of Homelight buy a home. But then uh, during that process, he's like, you know, this is just a lot of, you know, it's just not optimized very well. Like this process is just kind of not really, it could be done better. And so we started chatting and, and, uh, and I made an offhanded remark to him about how there's a referral uh, that is often paid if one agent tells another agent about, uh, yeah, about a client, you know, hey, I have a client uh, moving from Los Angeles to San Francisco, whatever, it, you know, you can you pay a referral fee. It's customary in the business. Pay a referral fee. I made this offhanded comment to Drew uh, and, and, and clearly he's, he's brilliant because otherwise how just something that I never saw as being that important. He, he saw a whole huge company and all the potential that, that is home light today. So he went, he ran with it and, and here we are. And here we are. That's, that's, yeah, that's quite a story. So here's the, the agent that helped inspire Drew to figure out a better way to do real estate and, yeah. yeah, here we are. Crazy. Well, it is uh, wonderful to have you here. So uh, if we can you know, spend the next however amount of time, I want to talk about open houses. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen some of the numbers. Uh, the It's the National Association of Realtors. They do every year. They do that uh, profile of buyers and sellers, right? And so the most recent one for 2019, it said uh, 6% of buyers found their house that they bought through an open house. Yeah. 15 years ago in 2004, that number was 16%, right? So do you have a sense um, that agents in general are sort of uh, like not holding open houses as much as they used to? Or is the is the concept of the open house like dying? I think it's definitely true, but more so d- um, depending on the asset. And let me explain. So if you have a higher end property priced several million dollars, um, you know, there might be things in that property that that owner may not want people to potentially steal at an open house. So there could be security. They may not want their neighbors to kind of, if they're still living in the house, they might just, they might want to guard their privacy. And there might be things in the property that, you know, they, uh, they would rather not have it be known that the, you know, for the public to see, whether it be artwork or something. Uh, and so as a result, you often see the higher end homes, it is a little bit more guarded and it's only, it's really private show, uh, showings only. If you do the, like the middle tier of the market or lower end of the market, that market is pretty, it's still active as far as open houses. But I, I, so the answer to your question is kind of a hybrid answer. It just depends on the asset and where it is in the pecking order of, is it like luxury or is it more like first time home buyer type product? Gotcha. So we, uh, every quarter we at Homelight uh, do our top agents insight survey and the one that uh, was just done for Q4 of this year had several questions about open houses. The, I think it was 52% 
of respondents do an open house for every listing, which I suppose is probably also down from 10, 15, 15 years ago. But then 35% of agents say that they do open houses for only one of every five listings that they get. So I think it's pretty clear that open houses are not as favored as they were before overall in general, probably across the country, uh, uh, you know, depending upon which market you're in. What, where do you guys with the listings you have, do you, what percentage of your listings do you do open houses for? We do them on almost all of them actually. Yes. We probably go the other way. And I think the reason is it's part of my business model in the sense that it's a, it's for me, I look at an open house as not just an opportunity to sell that home, but the statistics are, they they don't lie. Uh, But it's also a way to um, advertise myself. So, and to get my name out there, because oftentimes who comes into open houses, it's true, not maybe not as many buyers as the next door neighbors and the looky loos and maybe, but you know, you do get other, you get other owners uh, in the neighborhood that will come just because they want to, sure. yeah, they're very conscious and, and, uh, and they care about what's, what the, the value of that home will, will be because it'll influence the value of their home. So uh, what the price is going to get for that home. So they care. So it's a, it's more of a business development tool for me. And that's why I like to do them. Um, but I understand if I'm the minority and my, maybe I'm old school. I've been doing this a long time. Maybe newer agents, they, they look at the statistics and they, and they see that, Hey, it's this, it's it doesn't not, work. It doesn't yeah. work. Right. I'd rather do an ad on Instagram to try to direct traffic and do private showings that way to, to get the house sold. But I'm old school and then I still like to, to right. be present. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think the internet probably has played, you know, a huge role in that, right? Because a buyer can go online and get essentially a virtual tour, a 3D tour for pretty much any listing they want. So maybe the buyers are thinking, I don't really need to see the house. Well, there's great technology tools. Matterport is a company that's done. It's amazing. If you see the camera, it's got like 15 lenses on it and you can like really get a feel from a 3D perspective. So I can understand, yeah, uh, um, that and... You know, with with newer agents, they probably are thinking, you know, I'm not gonna get that much business from the open house, so why waste my time? I'd rather have my free time, do something else on the weekend. But I, I don't think that's, you know, I've gotten a, a good amount of business out of open houses. Um, most, however, I could see how some agents say, I don't want to do open houses because most buyers already have an agent. So how many people are really coming into an open house that don't already have representation? And so therefore I could see why they'd rather maybe utilize that the the weekend time elsewhere, maybe taking a buyer out to look at open houses instead of holding open their own listing. Um, I could see that they have to make, agents have to kind of make that call how best to use their time because that's all we have is time. That's the most precious. Thing. Yeah, no, that's true. I like what, I mean, I liked what you said a couple minutes ago about using it sort of as an excuse to connect with the neighborhood, but also to get your name out. Um, you know, my wife's an agent up in Washington state. And so, and I've helped her for the past few years before I started at Homelite with her marketing. And that's sort of how we always looked at it too, is that Hold the open house. It gives you a chance to be active on social media and advertise and tell your friends about it. It gives you a chance to, you know, do Craigslist or whatever you might be doing. And so, yeah, it's it just it's it's another thing. Hey, we are active in the business. You know, we're, we're, we're selling homes and all that sort of stuff. I think that's a really good way for agents to look at it. Yeah, I think if you're going to do an open house, you should kind of double down. And what I mean by that is like try to get the most out of it if you're going to be there, meaning do that. Like you said, Craigslist. Why not advertise? 
the open house on Craigslist, it's free. Mm-hmm. It's easy. And just you know, maybe somebody who's not represented, there's a lot of tech buyers that they look, they go on Craigslist, they go, you know, Zillow. Why not advertise the open house uh, to kind of increase the chances that somebody will come in kind of up those odds. You talked about those statistics, kind of try to be an outlier of those statistics instead. That's what I would suggest. Okay. So in your opinion, so you said you guys do open houses for almost all of your listings. Let's say you were being more selective and maybe not doing them all. Maybe you were doing 50 or 60%. Generally speaking, what makes a house a good candidate for an open house? Is it the price point? Is it maybe that there's unique features inside? I mean, if there's some sizzle to the house, I agree. If there's something that might resonate with people, if it has a great view, uh, if it has a, a, you know, if it's been updated, if the price, I mean, I think you can have sizzle in any one particular avenue. It could be whether it be like, you know, uh, the view, as I mentioned, it could be, it doesn't necessarily need to be price. Uh, It can be, as long as there's something that's attractive about the property. Something that makes it stand out. The backyard. The backyard's landscaped beautifully. Something. Um, And you go, you lead with that, your hero shot uh, in the advertisements. Like if you, if it has an amazing view, instead of the first picture being the kitchen, have the first picture be the view. Or if it has amazing Victorian facade, beautiful, you know, San Francisco traditional architecture that is just people go gaga for it because it's so lovely, it's beautiful, then maybe a a, a facade being the first shot. But something that's going to lead, you got to have the picture has to, has to try to draw people to it, to that property for that open house. So it has to, you got to lead with your best hand. And if that is the view, great. If that's the kitchen, great. If it's the Victorian facade, that's attractive. Whatever it is, great. But just lead with that to try to get people to want to come. I mean, you only have one chance and seven seconds or something, five seconds, somebody scrolling through their Facebook feed or wherever they might be. You have, you've got to get their attention right away. Yeah. I mean, if they're looking for a view and you're leading with that picture with the view, that's, they're going to, they're going to go, they're going to see it. They're going to visit. For sure. So that's, I mean, that's a perfect segue. I kind of want to do like a before, during, after thing on on your process for open houses. So before the open house, obviously you have to market it. You want as many people as possible to come in the door. So what do you do? What do you and your team do to get people's feet in the door? Especially as we said earlier, when people can just go online and see so much of it. Great question. I think the, the things what I call priming the pump. What I mean by that is, you know, hitting the ground running. The worst thing um, that you can do is, you know, you put it on the MLS, the days on market tick along. And so you need to kind of make sure that your open house is going to be really well trafficked. And that means trying to uh, stoke the fire with uh, uh, within the brokerage community. So putting it, blasting it out, you know, we have, I keep a database of the 6,000 or so agents in, in the, you know, the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco has around 5,000. I make sure to blast it out even before it goes on the market, just advertising the open house. And the reason is that those agents will, they're the ones that have the clients and they'll hopefully direct their buyer to the, to the open house. So doing that even before we flip the switch on the MLS, the multiple listing service. So like just trying to, you know, prime the pump to get people to, to visit, to get as much foot traffic as possible. And what that does is two things. One, it, it gives you the, um, it, you know, it makes for a, uh, obviously a successful open, uh, open house, but also it, if you have a lot of people, 
like that are at an open house, if you're a buyer, it's like, oh my gosh, look at look, oh, look at all like I go, oh wow, this is a this is a popular property. So desi- suddenly I, the I, desire I, level exactly, goes way up. Exactly, and so just by ha- and that's why, as far as open houses, there's a lot of ways to game it. You can do one to five p.m. But I'm kind of of the school of this where if you can kind of create a, a sense of, wow, this is a popular property. Look at all the people are here. Like shortening it, maybe just doing the two to four, you know what I mean? And therefore, because, you know, you never know, you might get all these people and they, they see it and they, then you raise the, the value of the home in their eyes subconsciously. I've heard of agents doing like 30 minute and one hour open houses and like, no, we're not going to do it again tomorrow. You've got this one chance to get in and see this house. I haven't house. heard the 30 minute one, but right, that's like, crazy. But that's a long, same, same logic. Right. Right. Exactly. So, but to the, to a bigger degree. Right. Um, uh, yeah, but I like that. So maybe I'll try that. <laughs> I mean, like if you want to create, if you, if you, know, I guess that, I mean, that works if you know you have a house that there's going to be demand for, right? Because that'd be embarrassing if you do a 30 minute open house and like nobody shows. Well, imagine trying to explain that to your seller. Right. Uh, excuse yeah, me, right. Uh, Ron, why did you only do 30 minutes? Are you lazy? Like what's going on here? Then, you know, you have to explain yourself. First, you have to get seller approval for, for something like that. Okay. So you're pre-marketing for the open house. Online and offline? Oh, yeah. And also trying to get, um, oftentimes you'd be surprised neighbors might have friends that they want to have moved to the neighborhood. So, or, and so you, I do a mailer to them as well, an invitation to them, for them to come to the open house. And you can game it also about like, instead of it being from two to four, so you only want to have buyers during that time, maybe you invite them to come from one to two. Just in, for the neighborhood. And the mailing that you send out, the invitation you send out um, to the neighborhood. So that way you try to bifurcate the audience. So that way you can focus on just the sellers from one to two. And then from two to four, you have buyers that are coming in and it just kind of helps you, you know, left brain, right brain, it kind of, you know, you just focus on one type of audience talking about, you know, what a great person you are when it comes to representing sellers. But then from two to four, you're, you're just trying to sell the home to that, to the actual people that might be a buyer versus the a neighbor who might just have, you may just be curious. Right. So that's how you, you, there's a couple of different ways. That's how I've done it in the past. It's worked pretty well. And you, you advertise it to the neighborhood as here's an exclusive opportunity for you to come and see the house before the open house, that kind of thing. And you can also do twilights before the open house as well, like wine and cheese I've done from 5.30 to 7 on a Thursday uh, before the Saturday, Sunday open houses. So you can just, there's, it doesn't have to be from one to two. You can play with the timing. Okay. Speaking of that, and again, another perfect segue, the, in a lot of real estate markets, this, this concept of the mega open house has caught on. Do you that, you know, trying to turn it into an event kind of thing? Like, so, so do you ever do anything like bringing a chef in or bringing live music in that sort of thing? Oh God. Yeah. We've done, we've done the parties that you often see on million dollar listing, you know, LA and New York. Yeah. We've done, we do, we do that when it makes sense to. So if we have some amazing property and the developer has done a really good job and we're really proud of the work that was done there and we really want to like showcase it show it off uh we will kind of and and the price point warrants it like we will do a private party and you know you bring the caterer and you bring the you rent the stemware you do all that stuff to try to you know if you're try to give the the property that allure that it needs to try to hit the price point that might be a, a little bit of a stretch if it's you know nice property you wouldn't necessarily do it for the cookie cutter condo uh or or you know the price point doesn't warrant it but for the what I call like, not the trophy properties, but you know, the special properties, it might make sense to do that to A, please your seller, 
because they'll be excited oh, okay. to, you know, and also um, during that, you know, during that party, you can invite the architect who might, it might, if it's a full remodel, invite the architect and it's a way to showcase that, that architect. And maybe they'll also help pay a little bit too, because if they're able to, you know, sell, connect with somebody connect to their, exactly to potential clients. So it's a win-win. Everyone, if you're enjoying the walkthrough, we'd appreciate it if you tell the real estate agents in your network about us. Even more, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us get better, and in some cases, can also help new listeners find and hear us. And when we get around to having you on the show, the more listeners, the better, right? So somebody shows up at the door, they come in. What experience do you want the visitor to have when they tour the house? So that is a great question. So you you have a couple different um, objectives in your head. One, you want to... Um, you want to qualify who they are. They're somebody. Who are they? There's so much wealth in this town. Somebody could be in like shorts and a t-shirt and be a billionaire. You wouldn't, right. you know, so like, so you need to qualify who they are. So, but at the same time, you don't want to be so in their face asking qualifying questions, like trying to flush them out. Like, are they worth, are, should they even be there? Or are they really just a tire kicker? Like, so you, but you have to be gentle about it because you don't want to, uh, preclude anybody from, cause you don't know who they are. They could be Mark Zuckerberg's cousin, you know, and so you don't know. Uh, and so, but at the same time, you also don't want to, you want them to have a good experience and not feel pestered. And so you need to kind of feel the situation and your qualification of them and ask them some quick questions. The first question I ask somebody who comes in is, Oh, thank you so much for coming today. How'd you hear about it? And then, uh, you know, that, how they answer it tells me how, where I'm going to go in that decision tree of. And that's, and that's not a scary, uh, scary is not the word, but that's not a question that's going to turn them off. Like if you hit them immediately with how soon are you planning to buy? Or please sign in, like give me your email and cell phone number. Please sign in before I let you see the house. That's not really nice either because it's like you're a gatekeeper. So you, but instead, I don't, so I don't do that. A lot of agents do because they want to grab that. You don't do sign-ins at all? I do sign it. I have that. I have it there. And if they want to, they see it. It's a visual prompt, but I don't, I don't actually. But you don't say go here first and no. sign in. And instead what I do is I try to flip it as I'm like, I have something of value. I have an MBA from Stanford or I'm an expert in that neighborhood or here's what's, you know, I have a list of sales. I send out a, you know, a, a monthly uh, data sheet on what is sold in the neighborhood in case you're interested. I try to provide like, like uh, value to that uh, person who's walking in, seller or buyer. And so I, I, there's a little sign that says, you know, I have a uh, newsletter. If you're interested, please, you know, give your name. I'm happy to add you to my, but it's all my optional. List. It's all optional, but I make sure to mention it, okay. but I don't lead with it. So instead what I lead is, as I mentioned, like I try to qualify them and then like, I see how they, and how they answer will tell me if they're, if they're willing to engage with me in the sense of like, you know, the willing to have a dialogue or if they want, if it's like, just leave me alone type of person. If it's a just leave me alone type of person, okay, <laughs> then I might, then like, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin their experience, nor do I want them to have, I don't want them to associate me with that bad experience. I'll let them free. I'll let them be. And I'll just like, maybe what I'll do is I'll just try to sprinkle information as they're walking different rooms. Oh, hey, just make sure you notice that. Oh, by the way, just in case you didn't notice, there's this, you know, built in closets or, or, you know, or something about the, you know, or, hey, just in case you didn't notice the, the floors in the bathroom are, are heated. Um, electric radiant heat, some, some, right. some stat right. about the Something prop. to give them to go look for yeah. and, and just like more uh, trying to offer them 
trying to help them. And if you do it that way versus like, Hey, you know, are you looking like when you, yeah, are you ready to, here's ready? my card. I'm are a real estate buy? agent. Write your Can name I down get, here. Please <laughs> sign in. Please sign in. Like give me information <laughs> right. instead of me providing information to you. There, there's an art form, I guess, to like soft selling. You're selling, but you're not really selling. You're just making yourself available, that kind of thing. I lead with the soft sell, but then very quickly, depending on who they are, how I qualify them, I quickly can move to the, not the hard, not the hard sell, but just through that qualification process. So what does that look like? Well, if they're ready to go, oh man, we're, you know, we're getting evicted. There's somebody and just doing an owner move and eviction. I got 30 days. I got to find something. Okay. Well that immediately, they want the hard sell. They want, they're like, you know, well that's that, you know, versus the extreme, uh, the other side of the spectrum is, uh, you know, I'm just starting off on my search. You know, I'm, I'm not sure uh, if I want to, you know, if I'm going to continue, if I want to just continue to rent versus buy, like that's the other end of the extreme versus somebody who's like, I got 30 days. I've been wanting to buy. This is the kick in the pants I needed. I got 30 days. I'm being evicted. I need to buy something in 30 days that, you know, well, let's go. Right. Well, that's that. And then you, you, you quickly move to fifth gear from first gear versus like one, two, three, four, you know what I mean? So that's. So, so in response to that person, you say, do you have an agent? That sort of stuff. Exactly. Like, okay. Like I I quickly go to execution mode. Like, okay, well, uh, are you pre-qualified for a loan? Like, are you ready? You need to get a loan you never know. Again, these people might be in a t-shirt and be all cash uh, for a $5 million home. You never know. So you, you you just quickly go through the, 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 questions to, f- to flesh them out, see who they are and when, when they want to make a move. Do you feel obligated to have a face-to-face conversation with everybody that walks in? I try because there's no like email texting. It's just, yeah, you know, you need to, uh, you need to have that one-on-one. You need to have that connection, especially if they're going to hire you to represent them. How can you do that over the, you know, over the phone or on text or on Instagram or on Snapchat, whatever you need to have. This is still, again, I'm old school. I've been doing this 17 years. I still feel this is a contact business. It's not social media business. This is a contact business. And somebody's going to let you, uh, represent them on the biggest purchase of their life. I, if I were in their shoes, I'd want to talk to that person. So I always try to put myself in the other party's shoes and try to act accordingly. How would I like to be treated? And and that's been a good uh, a good way to go. Do you ever do uh, giveaways or gifts or anything like that to get? Yeah, yeah, but it's just tchotchkes. I mean, I don't think I don't think that's the real value. I'm not I'm not sure somebody's going to buy a, a, a million dollar home because they got a, a free tape measure or a pen or something from me or a candy bar. Or whatever it might be. But yeah, I mean, I have, I've done that. And what I'd rather do is instead of giving like these little things, these throwaways, I call them, these tchotchkes, I'd rather like have a, a report ready, like at the property about the neighborhood. So it's more informational, more data driven, more value. Like I think that's more valuable than a tape measure. Like you act, like you have like my analysis on the market and for that neighborhood where that open house is taking place. I think that is more valuable than, you know, some gift away. That's how I view it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, and, and especially, you know, here in San Francisco where it's 
you know, to a large degree, high level properties and all that sort of stuff, it could be seen as sort of could be different in in you know in the other uh, lower price point neighbor you know uh, parts of the country, but at least in San Francisco, where you know one bedroom is going to sell for close to a million bucks now, like you know it's the cost of entry is so high that I just feel like you you're going to be dealing with very sophisticated buyers. That's my assumption, which may not always be the case, but that's it. no. I mean, I th- and I th- so I think the the like the the takeaway there is know your audience. Audience, right, like who, who's coming to your open house? Who are you trying to attract? And you know, decide that way if some sort of gift or giveaway is yeah. even appropriate. If it'll resonate with them or not, or they're just you know, if some PhD comes in or some executive, and you're and you've got some cheap like tchotchke giveaway. I mean, they kind of it kind of dilutes your brand as an agent instead of trying to. I'm not. There's a disconnect between what you're trying to sell if it's a million dollar property or two million dollar property, and then the gift, the, the gift, and the type of clientele that are coming in. It's just like that, that doesn't. It doesn't. It's a disconnect to me. So anyway, right. So okay. So you mentioned providing them with information. What does that look like? What do we look like? Sales in the neighborhood over, say, the past 90 days, something like that? I do it over, I do it the past six months because okay. I think that's how appraisers, when they look at a, to value a home, when they go to do an appraisal of a property that you might be in contract on, they look at sales the past six months as indicative of the market. So I do, I do the same. I just follow what appraisers do and I just give six months of data. Anything older than six months, the market can change in, in, in six months. So anything beyond that doesn't make sense to me. Now, when you're, pu- when you're putting this together, are, are you like dressing it up with the logo and the branding and everything? Or is it just really, you know, here's a photocopy of the data. Like how, 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 Fancy? Are we getting here? Yeah, it, you know, it depends on the on the on the collateral, the piece of collateral. If it's just data, then it's just a PDF file without you know it has my name and my address and phone number and all that. But if it's like, but then I also have a, you know, I have a, what I call the a beauty piece, like the business portfolio, where it's like a nice brochure. I have I, I brought one if you want to see it. Like you know, like so he's like you know, you leave that out. Here's how great I am. Like the very very you know immodest piece of right. you know right. of like how you know why I'm the best in the business and you know like why hire me because there are over 4,000 agents in San Francisco alone. Like, you know, you, uh, you could go, you got to make your case. Uh, and so you lead with your best hand for me. If it's a Stanford MBA, if somebody comes in and, you know, we have a dialogue and I find out that they're, you know, this happened many times. They also went to Stanford. I went to Berkeley. Maybe they went to Berkeley undergrad and, and they go, and then we have a fun conversation. So wait a minute, who you root for in the big game? You know, like, you know, you know, you have a, but if you have the dialogue, then you can, you know, you can lead with that, you know, you can work it. Okay. Let's talk about uh, after the open house. Um, tell me about your follow up with the visitors. The ones the the ones that do fill out the form, which you know maybe it's not a high percentage. What do you do after the open house? This is the most important, actually, to me. I mean, of course, you grab them, but like if you grab them and you do nothing with it. It's wasted. It's worse than had you done nothing at all, in my opinion, because you expended that energy, you got them, and then you just let it, you didn't do anything with it. So that's why I feel like what you do post open house uh, is even more important than the open house itself when it comes to prospecting. So let me explain. So if you, you know, you, and you don't, the problem, the challenge is that you don't know when that person's going to buy. It could be a year, it could be two years. I've had people come into an open house and contact me five years later and they remembered me. And they kept my, they kept my information or whatever. And like, you may not remember me, but you came, uh, I came into your open house in the marina in San Francisco back in 2012 and blah, blah, blah. And like, so, and I, 
it's so my point is that if you drip on them, and I think I might have put them on my my newsletter, my my monthly newsletter. If you drip on them, uh, uh, what I mean by drip is like just marketing to them periodically. Then, it, what's great about that is even if they might be two three years away from buying at least you've captured them and you're going to stay in front of them for three years down the road when they are ready to buy. And so, but if you don't do that, then you've lo- then you've spent all that time and energy to capture their contact information. You do nothing with it. It's a complete waste. And so you have to have a, a campaign, an organized campaign, a database, uh, a marketing calendar internally to yourself. Like, when am I going to market to these people? And you need to have, and you want to be careful. You don't want to just like send them like fluff piece, like, you know, emails like, oh, make sure you turn your clock back an hour. You know, like it has, I, I don't go that. You want to provide them value. Exactly. I, that's my, that's my, that's my MO. I want to make sure that they are going to read that email. They're going to open the email and go, wow, you know what? That guy, Ron, he knows his stuff. I, you know, he seems to really be, he's got his finger on the pulse. I'm not ready to buy in a year or two. I'm saving up for my down payment. I'm going to reach out to that guy. And, and so, and it's all, all automated. It's an email I send to my marketing manager. She inputs it in the database and it's done and it's done. It's easy. Yeah. And I just, just by an email. And so, uh, but if you don't at least do that, or let's say, let's take it a step further. Let's say they are ready. Let's say that, you know what, I'm really, it's time, you know, my wife and I just got married, you know, we're, you know, she's two months pregnant. We'd love to get home in six months. Then it changes to not just being in the database and then they're, if they're not already represented, then I'll try to get their search parameters. Oh, what neighborhoods do you like? What's your budget? How many bedrooms do you need? Do you need parking? What kind of parking? Side by side? Okay. Or tandem parking, et cetera. At least part, you know, you start going through the list of questions and then put them on, you know, a automated search uh, agent. Uh, and then they get automated uh, proper, you know, uh, results when a properties exactly. And, and that's, and, but, that, so it, what you do with the information depends on who they are. And, and, and timing. S- open house is Saturday. You're doing this by Monday at the latest. Oh, God, yeah. I do it and I try to do it. You know, we're so programmed now with this hyper fast, you know, social media and like information being disseminated so quickly. I try to do it same day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I try to that night. I try to, and, you know, I try to send an email if they're really like qualified and like we've had a dialogue and we had a connection or some, in some way. I'll, I'll send them an email that day, that night. Hey, thank you for coming to the open house today. Uh, as discussed, uh, you know, I wanted to send you some pro- other properties. If this, since this property didn't sound like it's the right fit because of this problem that you mentioned about the, you didn't have enough, enough bedrooms or whatever, but there's some other ones that might be of interest to you. Here's a link to them. Like I'll actually, It'll be, it won't be some automated CRM. It'll be more customized because again, you know, they're, if there's seven figure purchase, at least in San Francisco, that's almost everything the, you know, it, I think to me, it, it warrants that kind of attention. Gotcha. W- uh, one last question about after the open house, what kind of report or summary do you give to the seller? I ask, it depends on the seller okay. because some, some of them just want an email. Uh, and some of them say, I don't need it after Saturday's open house. Just send me a summary at the end of, uh, at the end of the, you know, on Sunday evening's fine. Um, and if they are, they are really, if it's a seller and it's their developer and they are, you know, really more a high, you know, you have to more handholding to them, a more 
freaked out. They really want more communication than, than most. I'll, I'll do a phone call. I ask the seller, what's their style? Like, do they like texting? Are they electronic? Do they, are they more old school with the phone call? Like what, what works with them? And they'll tell you, cause most of us know by now what we like, right. if we like the phone, the email, the text. So, okay. I mean, this has been fantastic. I, I think, so if there, if there were takeaways from the whole conversation, open houses aren't dead. No. You're still doing them. Oh, yeah. And a lot of agents are. Maybe not as many as before, but there's still a purpose to them. I think that's a mistake that they don't do them. I think it's a mistake. I think they'll get more business if they do them. Be intentional about it. Have a plan and 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 then be ready. Be organized about it. And create an experience, too. And follow up immediately with the folks that you connect Crucial. with. Crucial. Probably the most important thing. Ron, thank you so much for being ah, here. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Ron. There's a lot of great stuff in there. So let me ask agents, are you reconsidering your approach to open houses? Did you get some ideas from Ron about how you can make opens work for you? I know Ron and I kind of did some really quick takeaways there at the end, but I want to tag onto that right now with some stuff that stood out for me. Number one, the best candidates for an open house are homes with sizzle, something that stands out, something that makes the home unique or different. Maybe it's a great view or the incredible backyard or a man cave inside the home. Yes. Use that as the lead in your marketing, he said, to get people to show up. Don't just share the generic photo of the home's facade. Do something different to capture attention. Number two, I love how Ron talked about giving value to visitors, not taking from them as soon as they show up. I was seriously shocked when he said he doesn't require sign-ins at his open houses. I'm sure he could see it in my face too. But go back if you need and re-listen to everything he said about the soft sell approach and leading with value to the visitor. Number three, did you catch this near the end? He said, what you do post-open house is even more important than the open house itself. Let me say that again. What you do post-open house is even more important than the open house itself. It's all in the follow-up. And Ron laid out a great plan for talking to each visitor to find out where they are in their real estate journey and then customizing your follow-up accordingly. Put them on a drip and newsletter campaign if they're in the early stages or send them property listings if they're closer to buying. What you do post-open house is even more important than the open house itself. I love that. Great stuff. Okay, questions for Ron about what you heard? Questions for me or Homelight? Feedback? Ideas? Email us. Walkthrough at homelight.com is the address. In fact, I have an offer. Send me an email with your biggest win of the week or month. We're going to have a podcast segment called Homelight Home Run, and we'd love to include your success stories. It could be as simple as something you posted on Facebook that got a ton of engagement, or as complicated as a difficult transaction that you went above and beyond to serve your client and get it closed. We'd love to share your success stories as a future Home Light Home Run. Again, the email address is walkthrough at homelight.com. That's all for this week. Thanks to Ron Abta for joining us to talk about the anatomy of a successful open house, and thank you for listening. Go out and sell some homes, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.